Hello, and welcome to the WiseCast. I'm Max Rave, co-founder and CEO of WiseMonkey. In the spirit of sharing wisdom, we interview founders, leaders, and creative thinkers about why they pursued their passion, what challenges they've overcome, and what lies ahead in their path. We hope that you can learn from all these experienced people with their unique stories and see how you can apply some of these learnings in your own life. Today we're speaking with Pedro Villalon, an entrepreneur originally from Mexico City and now living in Vancouver for the last 10 years. He's a beverage expert and has been sourcing unique teas from all over Asia by backpacking through mountains and meeting farmers face to face. His amazing tea bar called O5 has been running for 8 years in Kitsilano and has been a beacon of innovation and education for the local tea community. Pedro has a wealth of knowledge, so listen in and enjoy. Uh, my name is Pedro Villalon. I am a co-founder at uh, O5T and uh, Related Ventures. So we pretty much do tea. <laughs> um, where are you from originally? I uh, was born in Mexico City. And then you came up to Vancouver via, it looks like, Cincinnati and China and exactly. other sp- places. Spent, spent for... Uh, for years in the Midwest, in the USA, spent a couple of years in uh, China, in Guangzhou, and uh, moved to Canada. Can you explain to us what O5T is? O means origin, and origin matters because pretty much everything that, that, that we eat or we drink was, uh, you know, it, it, it has its uh, origin in Earth. So uh, what we try to do is we, we go to some mountains, some mountains in the middle of nowhere, meet the people, check the Earth, check the plants, and uh, and honor those people and and that earth. So that's that's what origin stands for. That's deep. Yeah, man. <laughs> Obviously, you have a passion in in tea. And how did that like growing up in Mexico City? Is that where you started falling in love with tea specifically, or like why did why did tea strike you eventually? No, definitely no. Uh, when I was growing up, to me, tea was uh, was pretty fancy, and it had to do with porcelain and and sugar cubes and uh, silver spoons and it was completely unattractive Uh, living in china things changed living in china you climb some mountain you meet some farmers some old guy and some old lady and and they're probably cooking something on charcoal and uh, you try the tea and the tea doesn't taste delicious because it has you know any any additives it's delicious because because that's how the tea grows on earth so uh i i had um a completely new vision of uh, of tea, and I started falling in love with with a drink and and climbing a mountain and meeting some old people cooking something on charcoal. What was your first trip out in China? The first one was to Phoenix Mountain. Phoenix Mountain is in uh, northern Guangdong, very close to Fujian Province, and I was there with my uh, my good friend Mr. Fang, whose wife is from Chaozhou. So we had a good chance to climb mountain and and meet uh, the ladies' uh, relatives. So you discovered your kind of passion for tea on that trip. When was that trip? That was 2006. So, okay, so it's yeah. been a while, yeah. So let's dive into a little bit of your past here um, now that we've kind of peeled off a few layers. From what I understand, you came out of University Ibero-Americana in uh, Mexico City. Yes. With chemical engineering I bachelors. am a chemical engineer, exactly. <laughs> How did you so chemical engineering and then your internship started at Procter and Gamble in Mexico as a brand manager or a marketing intern? Exactly. What was that 
what was that shift like for you? Like, why would you, why did you completely go outside of chemical engineering? Well, it was just, just by chance. So, so to me, chemical engineering is, uh, or studying chemical engineering, it's like studying uh, a manual of how the world operates. It's not, you know, I was never really into, into being locked up, locked up in a laboratory or a factory, but uh, you pretty much learn how to, how to solve problems and, and, and to see how things work. You know, whether it's uh, um, food processes or, uh, or distillations or, or just building an oil pipeline, whether you agree with those things or not, but uh, you pretty much understand how things work and how to fix problems. And uh, one day these guys from Procter & Gamble came to school and said, hey, would you like to, to do a test with us? And I said, well, yeah, let's do it. And then said, cool, now would you have, would like to have an interview? And I said, fine. And they said, would you like to work in marketing? And I said, cool. So that's, that's what got me started with, uh, with Procter & Gamble. So PG, what was it like going from, I mean, what was it like going from like university to immediately like such a massive company? Was that always your plan? It, it was not the plan, but uh, I was I was studying and working uh, at the same time. It was pretty cool. The average age of Procter and Gamble in Mexico back then was twenty three years, um, including directors and everything. Whoa! So it was a bunch of kids with uh, <laughs> with decent paychecks, and we used all these wheelchairs to play to play basketball on the aisles and. And uh, we had fights with uh, with Gillette shaving foam, and it was oh my god, it was a riot, man! It was it was it was pretty cool. It sounds like a fraternity, sort of, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Did you ever expect that Procter and Gamble would end up being like that when you started there? I I did know that it would be something like that. I I, I knew a few people in there, and they were they were pretty cool people. That is literally the last thing I ever expected to hear, because that sounds more like a tech startup with too much money. And they don't know what to do with it versus Procter & Gamble where it's like a, you know, multinational conglomerate. That's how it was back in, back in uh, 1999, Mexico City. I don't know if it's, if it's the same. I do know that it's not the case in, in other uh, Procter & Gamble offices across the world. But uh, back then, it was a, was a bunch of kids with a decent paycheck and, <laughs> and lots of things to play with. So it was cool. I'm sure it must be nice to live in Mexico City with a decent paycheck. Lots of good food and lots of good culture there. Oh yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, traffic is bad, though. I would not. I would not go back. <laughs> Fair enough. So, speaking of of Mexico City, you've been how long? You've been in Vancouver now. Ten years now. Ten years. Ten years in Vancouver. What do you miss the most about home? And I mean about home, not necessarily Mexico City or or the area, but really, what do you miss about home? You know, I really think that Vancouver is home now. I consider Vancouver home. Okay. Fair enough. So, uh, you know. We do have a lots of friends and family who are awesome people and, and love to see those guys wherever. But uh, but Vancouver's home now. What what makes you like love Vancouver outside of just good tea culture? Okay. On top of good tea culture, there's mountains, there's oceans, there's uh, you know killer whales and and bears and eagles and and families here. So it doesn't get better. That's perfect, man. So do you have how many kids do you have now? I have five. Five. Exactly. Damn. Exactly. <laughs> so a place with, with, with bears and eagles is a, is a good place for those guys to, to grow up, you know? Absolutely, yeah. Air, air smells great. Water is delicious. <laughs> the water is good, yeah. glaciers up in the mountains. So after your thing, at, after your, your kind of start at Parchment Gamble, 
you worked there for five years in Mexico, it seemed like, and then you made the jump to Cincinnati. Exactly. And you became global brand manager in the Cincinnati office for what particular, like, what was your vertical there? What was that? What was all that about? So my first brand in Cincinnati was uh, Safeguard, as in the antibacterial soap that uh, that's not very relevant in North America, but it's very relevant in, in uh, or used to be very relevant in um, in Asia, in uh, the Philippines and, and China. It was a very, very fun brand to work with because uh, not being one of the bigger brands that has uh, that has big budget and, and all the general managers looking at it, it was one of these little brands where you barely had any resources. But if you managed to make it grow, everybody was happy as long as the numbers were black and uh, and, and you could just, you know, do whatever you wanted. So it was it was pretty cool. We had uh, we had some hand washing programs with uh, partnering with the government in Mexico. Um, we did some pretty cool advertisements uh, promoting hand washing and, and hygiene back in the time of SARS in the Philippines. Uh, there were also some pretty cool hand washing programs in uh, rural areas in China and Pakistan. So uh, it was it was a riot working for for Safeguard. Pakistan, wow, that's that's a pretty wide scope you have there. It was a wide scope. <laughs> Would you say that travel has always been part of your life? Yeah, ever since I could afford it. So yes, but you know when I started earning earning some money, I think most of my paychecks went to pay for travel. I mean, it's a good, it's a good way to explore and, and uh, develop your own understanding of the world around you, I suppose. Exactly. Um, so throughout all this kind of, you know, you worked with Procter & Gamble up until 2009, essentially. In those roughly 10 years, what was your biggest learning point did you find? Or like, what was the biggest kind of turning point in your experience in your in your maturity as a professional as a, per, as a as a person what do you think you really pulled out of that experience well i think there were there were a couple of things um the first one is you regardless of of uh, whether you own the company or or you work for a company you know whatever you do whatever your job is you own it you have you have to do it properly and uh you know, I, I never really felt like a like a salary guy who was just there for for the paycheck. I pretty much felt like whatever whatever I was working on was was my own uh, my own baby. Um, I met some some outstanding people and and, and mentors in uh, that company. The other thing that I that I learned was you have to do whatever you whatever really makes you makes you happy and and, and passionate. And there was a point in time in which I thought. What, what do I want to be when when I'm 50? Uh, you know, would I would I like to be working, for example, for an oil company or or a pharma company and 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 make a, a big buck? And the answer was was no. You know, I would like to to work for something that that would make me and and my kids proud. That you know, one day the grandkids would say, you know, my 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 old grandpa did something that was uh, that was cool, and the guy had a blast, and and, and uh, you know, in that's why I got into into tea now, because one day those guys will say, "Well, that guy was was going around some hills in China, and and drinking tequila with some farmers, and and <laughs> you know, opening a tea bar in Vancouver and sharing tea with with folks." So that sounds like a like a good thing too. That sounds like a, like a almost like a storybook thing, you know. <laughs> well, that sounds exactly that, that that sounds like that some something that when 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 you're done with everything and you're 90 years old or 100 years old. 
you would go back and say, yeah, that, that was fun. So, so uh, that's one of the things that I that I learned. You know, you don't have that much time on on this earth. Might as well use it for for something that's fun. You know, that's a pretty good point. I think a lot of people end up getting stuck in the uh, you know paycheck to paycheck situation where you know it's hard to make the jump or you don't like a lot of people just don't even know what their real passion is and they they like a few things but they don't know if they would ever like do it for a living or whatever it may be and i don't it's it's always a difficult decision to make when you want to just go out there and and like be an entrepreneur or like just try something new and a lot of people from these interviews that we've done especially in the podcast we see this like trend of eventually you just have to say like screw it i have to try otherwise you never why would yeah why would i just keep doing the same thing all the time it's just going to be this revolving cycle it gets way more difficult the, the the higher the paycheck the more difficult it is to 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 leave it so at some point either you do it or or you just give up and and stay where you are and that's also a valid choice you know I, yeah it's the golden handcuffs exactly and 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 they work for many people so the fact the fact that I chose not to have them doesn't mean that they're bad. You know, for some people they're the right choice. So after all this stuff, Procter and Gamble, you at that point before you left, you had already gone to China. You learned about tea. You started falling in love with it, and then you launched Dao Tea, two thousand nine. Correct. That was the first iteration. The first iteration. So tell me a little bit company. about that. So, so Dauti was very similar to 05. I was working with uh, with micro farmers. There were direct relationships. The the quality of the tea was was pretty good. It's outstanding tea. Um, there were a few fundamentals that were that were wrong or that I had ignored. When I moved to Canada, I thought, you know, I'm bringing these delicious tea, and Canadians look like like pretty fun people, and and they're having organic carrots and and organic coffee and. And, uh, you know, it looks like they eat really good food, so they're going to love my tea. <laughs> and, uh, and that was wrong, you know. People, when, when, when I came in 2009, well, yes, people thought that my tea was cool, but, but they were not necessarily willing to have it on a daily basis. And uh, what people had on a daily basis were coffee and donuts, because that's, that's what people have as a, as a custom. Good old Timmy Ho's, man. Exactly, exactly. And, oh, and, and, and you could see people just having you know sugary coffee and, and and donuts and then they would go to whole foods and have have uh, their organic carrots and celery and and, and lose weight through that and the kale salad <clears throat> exactly try to offset the timbits trying to offset the timbits <laughs> so it was it was not as as as, as easy uh the teas were also they, they were different teas they were teas that that they were not the flavor was not going to be so evident so so when you buy uh, hot chocolate you know what it's going to taste like um, when you buy coffee, there's there's much better and much worse. But but you have an idea of what that going that that is going to taste like. But when you bring something like patio cha or or uh, Angie by cha, it's so difficult to know what it will taste like that many many people in North America were not just willing to to put the money down to to take that thing home. So uh, after after bumping my head for for a while. And realizing that I was very close to broke, um, <laughs> realized that that in order for for that thing to ever work, I would need to have a tasting bar, where people could go and and experience the product and interact with it. And uh, if they loved it, then then I had much better chances of of getting them to take the the, the things home. 
And so Dow, did you ever open a tasting bar or was that, that's what became 05? Nope. Uh, Dow pretty much drained every last cent I had as, as, uh, as savings. Damn. And uh, it got to the point where I had to, to actually write a business plan and, and look for, uh, for investment um, or partners or get a job because there were bills to pay and, and we were getting to the bottom of the savings. Uh, fortunately, I was able to find the right partners, both uh, both for uh, for funding and, and to complement what I what I brought to the table, and that's what created O five. So when you got to the point of saying, "Well, Dow is basically killing me," what was the mental exercise to get yourself to try again with O five? Because it must have been challenging. Obviously, you have this like really critical decision to make. At this point in your life where you know you're not necessarily getting younger obviously like you were probably what in your like early 30s 30. or late 20s yeah 30 ish yeah so at that point it's like okay hey, well this is game time decision making right now like am i going to keep doing this or not what was the like the mental thought process behind doing 05 or, or, or saying no maybe you know I, I wish i could say there was one but there really wasn't you know you just wake up every day and you need to do something so what i did was at the same time i started looking for jobs and I started looking for jobs not only here, but also in, uh, in Asia and, uh, and the United States. And uh, I, I really liked my, my tea project. So while I was looking for jobs, I was, uh, I was actively looking for investment. I had an idea of, of, of what I needed to make it fly. I was well aware that I couldn't alone. And, uh, and I, was, uh, I was actively looking for, um, for investment and and jobs whatever happened first so you're basically just hedging your bets exactly fair enough i was doing both at the same time and i was i was not really worried i didn't have enough time to to be worried i was waking up pretty early in the morning and i was pretty tired at night so so i would just go to bed and wake up okay (laughs) so you found your partners is there any sort of like a particular story how you connected with these people like how did you find them was it just through serendipity like connecting with the right person online and then just chatting or was it like running to someone in the street no so 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 being new in canada and knowing absolutely nobody um i started just going to to pretty much any any meetup group that i that i could find uh, one of those meetup groups took me to to a gentleman that was somehow related to the guy that became my my business partner, and uh, he set up a blind date. And he said, "I think that you guys should uh, should just have coffee with each other, and and maybe something comes out." So uh, so that's what uh, that's what took me to my to my good friend Brian Noble, and uh, we said, you know, I think that that this could be a good idea, and and then Brian said, "Well, why don't you write a plan and, and just just." put some numbers in that and and we'll see what was there like how did you have how did you gain credibility with them because your background is in you know there's marketing obviously but it's in you know for lack of a better term chemical products you know chemical household products whatever it may be with cleaning and cosmetic etc at p at procter gamble yeah even if you did a tea startup for two years i guess that was enough for them to be like oh well he knows his stuff I, I would need to ask them why they ever trusted me. <laughs> I have, you know, Brian and 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 uh, and, and uh, other partners. Uh, I don't know. I I, I guess because 
well, one, the tea that I had with 05 with uh, with the uh, Dow tea was was delicious. Um, two, I've always I've always loved food, cooking, uh, coffee, wine, whiskey, you you name it. So um, I I think I can make drinks, food that tastes delicious, and and I can hold a decent conversation with people in in related fields. Right. Why they were kind enough to trust me, I will uh, have to get that guy a beer and 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 see what he says. You get him to listen to this episode, and then he'll tell you after. Exactly. <laughs> Speaking of food, how do you find the tea? Usually, usually do some some research beforehand. You know, do, do some research about a region and 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 what I could find. Um, get a plane ticket, land over there. Either either rent a car or hitchhike, uh, climb some mountains, knock some doors, meet a bunch of people, try their tea, and and whoever is making delicious tea will will hold a longer conversation and potentially source their tea. Like a like a true tea hunter, as as is your nickname. Something like that, exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's about just just knocking doors and and saying, can I try it? And if it's delicious, then you know, there's something behind it. So we connected with. Um your buddy Guy, who's a, a, a fairly, uh, like quite a re- reputable bartender and mixologist here in Vancouver, originally from the UK. And we unfortunately couldn't go to that night where you were doing rum. I think it was a rum pairing with different teas. Yes, we did. So, so, so guys, uh, the, the, the guy's an exceptional bartender, but he's also a, uh, an educator, um, mostly on, on, on rum and, uh, and whiskey. And he's just a, you know, little encyclopedia of information about about the topics. We would have loved to make it that night, but unfortunately, we had our own launch party for the. I think we were doing the kombucha launch that night. It was last last springtime. Yeah, uh, about this time last year, and um, we've been playing around with our own cocktails, of course. And we got in touch with the guy, and we made this two, or he made rather these two amazing recipes, which we'll be posting in the next few weeks, and. Um, it's pretty exciting because this is the first time people are using like things like mezcal, you know, and, and very like specific spirits with our teas. Whereas a lot of the cocktails would do, you know, in house or they're more easier to make or approachable or, or, you know, a more of a common alcohol that it only takes two or three ingredients to really make it what it is. Um, so I'm, I'm really curious to see how people receive these new cocktails because they're a bit more complex, but, um, uh, they're pretty incredible. And on the, on the, on the note of uh, rum, how is the, we have right now the chocolate dream that you're drinking and the new one that we're about to release. How is it with the uh, seven year Florida Kanye rum in there? I think it's delicious. It's pretty nice, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thursday, 5 p.m. It works. It's it's a nice way to loosen up for a podcast. Uh, we also had a bit of a rough day with a bunch of technical snafus on our website. So I think we needed a little bit of a drink at the end of the day to just loosen up a little bit. Exactly. <laughs> so... It's been eight years since 05 has been open. Yep. What is your overall, you know, what's your take on the whole experience? How has that been? Uh, it's been fun. It, it, it's been a, it's been a cool, cool eight years. There's, uh, there's of course, highs and lows. There are days when uh, when you just wonder why you don't have a, a regular day job and, and, and you can work nine to five and, 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 and be gone for the weekend. 
but uh, but it, it's been a it's been a great ride. You know, I've, I've met some phenomenal people in in Asia. Um, I've had the most delicious food just hanging out in in in, in the hills. Uh, I've got to meet some outstanding people also here in in Vancouver, like uh, like Guy Stowell or or Lauren Mote, who who craft some some beautiful drinks in uh, different locations. So uh, I, I have no complaints. It's been a good ride. It also is a beautiful space, by the way. Thank you. We have a we have a new office, and we're really happy. But I wish we had our own custom bar like that. It's pretty pretty damn incredible. It's uh, it's a good space. We should uh, we should put some some uh, coffee leaf kombucha one of these days. Let's let's get yeah. a special production and. No worries. Yeah, there's there's lots let's, of ways we can incorporate that. So let's get that happening, man. When you started building the bar, did you realize that it was going to be a lot more work than you? had expected uh i don't know I, th- I think that i was i, I was originally expecting a, a a crazy amount of work which is which is not a problem you know when, when when you're doing something that's actually fun it doesn't feel like uh like work fair enough now you have five kids exactly what's the age range from youngest to oldest youngest guy is uh, six months old oldest one is 14 years old so there's, there's, there's a range. Wow. And so you basically started having your family before you started at 05. And during all of that, there's got to be some aspects where you had to be cognizant about work-life balance. I, I think I'm cognizant on a daily basis. You know, it's, it's a, there, there are choices that you have to make every single day. Has it been pretty challenging at times to be like, okay, I really need to start focusing on, on the family and, and try to, you know, chip in a little bit more? Or is it, is it something that just kind of happen a bit more organically it happens organically it's just a matter of, of incorporating them in in your daily life and you know sometimes i have to go go to work and and you need to bring one of those guys and that's it and and i have to go back home and and do a bunch of uh of tea tastings and and just bring them in in, in into the team and get them to try everything that's awesome exactly <laughs> are you giving them it must be like lower caffeine tea otherwise they'll be bouncing off the walls i i would assume they are bouncing off the walls regardless so <laughs> so they they start drinking pretty much any tea at, at a young age wow and they have um, all of those guys they have very developed taste buds so they they they, they, they know their drinks and, and their food and it's just just fun having them around i think they're they're pretty pretty uh valuable when when uh working in, in what sense? Just just drinking tea with you and giving their opinions or, really? or yeah exactly and and even the the little guys you 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 bounce around your workday with them and they'll provide some advice and say dude you're, I think this is what you should be doing there. That's so cool. They're they're cool guys. They're like uh, little uh, sommeliers in house. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So now that you've kind of you have O five basically up and running. Um, you have some other projects on the go on the side, as you mentioned as well. What is what is the kind of what's your goal with O five in the next twelve months, and then in the next five years? So within the next uh, within the next twelve months, we need we need to double our our wholesale business. We're uh, we're working hard on on um, on developing that part because that would enable us to reach a, a wider range of uh, of people, not just uh, the Vancouver market, which is, you know, it's fairly small. We we live in a in a in a fairly small city. Over the next ten years, um, 
I won't be be sharing the the exact numbers, but but I'd be I'd be expecting to move into an office as 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 big as this. Uh, I would be expecting to be in a warehouse that's triple the size of of what we have, and uh, I would expect a number of uh, third wave coffee roasters and uh, boutique hotels to have a much better tea program than than what they currently have today. I would uh, I would like to make it to the, to the point where you know right now you can go pretty much anywhere in in North America and uh, and get some outstanding coffee. Getting outstanding tea is still much more difficult. It's you know you 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 get the crappy tea bag next to your outstanding small batch craft roaster thing. Uh, I want I want to make outstanding tea commonplace in 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 North America. Why do you think that is? Why why did the industry or why has the beverage world ended up like that where you have Vancouver has like at least 20 amazing, you know, small batch whatever direct trade uh you know, for lack of a better word, hipster coffee shops that do have amazing coffee but then you talk to them about tea and they just don't even care. They look at you they look at you like you're crazy. Why do you think it's, in a sense, tea is so far behind in North America in that in this particular context? I, I really don't know the the, the reason. You know, I, I'm I'm a newcomer to to this geography, so so I don't know why. Uh, my my best guess is that people have been drinking heavy amounts of coffee for a long time. Um, I think in the 1980s, uh, a company called Starbucks came in and. <laughs> And uh, they were brilliant, you know. They, they they made people realize that that coffee was not necessarily just just black and burnt. That that you could actually have a have a drink that would be a, a cool experience. And they started charging for it. Um, I'm not gonna say that they have the best coffee these days, but but you know they 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 were the first ones to come up with with a better experience and getting people to pay for it. And when everybody else realized that that people would pay for a better experience, I think they just jumped on it and and started developing coffee as a as an industry. And tea was a, was an afterthought for a while. So so hats off to to Starbucks and and what they did in in the 1980s. And Starbucks and then Dunkin' Donuts and Tim Hortons and all the ones that followed after that. And all the, the guys who followed. Market. And then all the all the guys who pioneered third wave and and they started working. Uh, with you know smaller batch stuff, and they started getting people to realize that coffee, that quality is not necessarily defined as consistency, but quality is defined as a as a phenomenal drink, as, as a delicious drink. So so all these guys in in um, in the early twenty first century that started getting people to pay more for coffee, while while not offering consistency, actually treasuring the specific qualities of each harvest. Those guys did a great, great service to, to, to your company and, and my company today, I think. What do you find the challenges for people to wrap their heads around tea? Because tea, generally speaking, is, is very complex in the sense that there's a million types of tea out there and they're all, it all depends on the blend and how it's actually processed and, and then eventually even steeping. We find a lot of times we talk to like, you know, lifelong coffee drinkers that don't drink any tea and they're they're just like bewildered. They're like overwhelmed by all the things about tea that like, I don't know, it's all too much for me, whatever. What do you think that kind of switches for some people to eventually realize, you know what, tea is actually really interesting and it's actually very flavorful 
and there's a lot of complexity you can find in that and per cup it's actually a lot cheaper i think that sometimes we just we just uh make it very difficult for people we we, we pretend that it's such a such an important drink and, and it has so much culture behind it and, and so many rituals that uh, that we forget to just just make people realize that it's a delicious drink so so what we try to do at the bar when people come in if they are people who are not familiar with tea we don't ask you know what what do you know about tea and, and make them feel bad we just say you know tell me about what you like tell me about tell me about what coffee you, you drink what beer you like what wine uh, is is in your pantry right now and let me craft a drink that's going to be delicious and if it's not delicious you don't pay for it <laughs> so so i think the moment we we realize that that the is, is 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 water and leaves and uh and you can make a, a drink that's that's delicious uh with minimum effort that's that's when we will get more people to to fall in love with it you're talking about a lot of rituals and history and rituals are great rituals are outstanding but you won't get people to drink your tea on a daily basis if if you make it complicated for them that's what we found too as as like when we started wise monkey you know before we started we didn't know really anything about tea generally speaking and uh the more we looked at like what was out there and the brands and how the, how it's how they portray themselves and the product etc it, it it got into like what you were mentioning earlier with like everything is like little tiny porcelain cups and silver spoons and it's like so traditional you know and kind of like classic uk style um and for us it was like i don't none of that stuff is relevant to us you know and you know obviously it's a you know partly a generational thing but beyond that it's like well if i can go to any coffee shop and just pay three bucks for a decent cup of coffee and i can just take it to go and it's i don't have to worry about anything you know that's going to be a lot easier to consume because it's already familiar. It's available everywhere. Exactly. And I don't need to learn anything about it because it, I don't even need to learn it because I'm already ingrained with the knowledge from all the advertising from every single coffee company. Whereas the tea space, it was like, okay, let's learn about white tea, green tea, oolong tea, which is like a huge category on its own. And then all the black teas and then the pu'er and the matcha and everything else. It was just like, oh my God, where do you even start with this? And now that, you know, being in the industry, we've seen a lot of it and we're way more familiar, but you know, that's six years later. <laughs> so, and for us, it's like in the beginning, we were just like, what the heck is all this stuff? And it, that doesn't even include all the herbal teas, which is like every single botanical and fruit you can imagine, you know, can be steeped once it's been dried. And so I can see how, you know, for a newcomer, it would be very difficult to just like, okay, I'm going to try tea today. Cause they try one thing and they don't like it. And they don't think that there's like, literally over like 10 million variations of that particular format of a beverage. Right. And, and then they hate tea because and then they, they hate, like one. And then they hate tea. Yeah. They have like a bad experience, like some gas station tea or something like that. And then they have this whole concept like, oh, I don't like tea. Correct. And it's like, but people give it such a broad stroke. It's like, it, it's going to sound funny, but it's almost like <laughs> give tea a chance. You know what I mean? Because there's so much in there that you can discover. And then who knows, like someone who's a lifelong, you know, french roast whatever drinker from starbucks might find this like incredible oolong or like a pu'er that they are going to have for the rest of their life every that single day them. yeah absolutely and they still don't even know it until they try it so that's like the kind of 
again, like the education component we find is... It's almost it's, like saying, I don't like vegetables. You know? <laughs> yes. There's so many vegetables that are that are great. You know, maybe you don't like one of those vegetables, but... That's a yeah. good way to put it, actually. Yeah, tea is quite diverse. And I would say the same thing for coffee. You know, I've, I've heard some people who say, I, I absolutely hate coffee. And I would disagree. There, there's some outstanding coffee out there. So after all this stuff, uh, tea hunting and kind of like finding yourself in your true passion and following that through one startup that, you know, hopefully it's, you're okay if I say this, but one startup that failed basically that blew up yep yeah that's what he did you used to launch a second one that actually ended up working you know you found the right partner etc now it's running it going and everything and you have this vision what would you tell yourself in the very beginning of all this and be like you know like a heads up you know what's like one thing you'd be like make sure you do this or you know or something even in your approach or even like something, you know, logistically or whatever it might be, is there something you would tell yourself before you started all this and be like, just make sure you don't do this or make sure you do this? You know, I would not be able to summarize it. I would probably have a, a few 12 packs of beer with myself and 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 uh, and, and talk about a number of things. There, there's, there's not just, just one thing. Uh, probably I would say chill. Just, just, you know, go through every day one, one, one day at a time. And uh, and it'll be it'll be okay. What did you find was like the best thing to do when you were at some of your lowest points? Really, haven't had low points. I cannot say I went through through any any major headaches or depressions or you know there's there's some bad things one day, but but you look back and you see a bunch of other cool things. And I think that that. Uh, in this world, there are some people who actually really have problems, and and whatever problems you may be having in business, they're not they're not real problems. Everything's fixable. Hmm. Everything's on a, a balance sheet at the end of the day. It's not a physical thing. You know exactly. In 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 the end, it's just just money. You know, you you, you definitely want your people to have a to have a paycheck day to day. That's that's I think really important um, when you have a startup. And, and nobody else is on on payroll, you know. There's there's no risk for 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 anybody missing a paycheck except yourself. And and if you do, and and you really 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 need to get a job, then you get a job, and and that's it. It's you know not, nothing nothing major broken, nobody's sick. So uh, as bad as, as as problems might seem at some point, you have to just realize that it's it's just money and it's just just a startup and if it doesn't work you start something new and and then it'll work you know, learn from it don't don't do the same stupid thing again <laughs> but uh but chill it's not don't take it too seriously i guess what's that quote i think it's an einstein quote where it's only a fool can expect different results if you do the same thing yeah i agree with that something like that exactly yeah. <laughs> don't do the same thing wow but so, don't stress too much i guess man i need some of that thinking because we go through some lows sometimes and I'm just, my head is like exploded with stress and I'm trying to find ways to not freak out about it. But it feels like, you know, I have my partner tell me that it's like, you are not the business, but it's so hard for me in particular to detach myself from that. Cause it's like, we've been doing this for six years. It's basically been, you know, our real career after, you know, some work after university. Yep. 
And if this doesn't work, then it's like, well, it feels like our whole future is like done in the sense of like, we worked all this, you know, all this stuff, even if we learned a lot, you know, obviously there's a huge, like, there's a, there's a lot of pros out of it. <clears throat> At the same time, it's like, if it fails, it's like my whole life is over and I, it's hard for me to step away from that. So yeah. I, I got to try and learn from you and have a bit more of the Zen mentality about that. Yeah, it's good that you take it personal because it is personal, and and you put all your heart behind behind your works, so and that that part's great, and that that's why uh, why the thing will will work in the end. But if it doesn't work, you know, you're you're healthy, your your family's okay, and and you can just start up again. And yes, you're six years older, but man, you're not freaking ninety years old. <laughs> My body feels like it's ninety because it's been like. Six years of startup life and also freelancing in the beginning and everything else. It's like yeah, I feel I like I've, I feel like I'm I'm 31, but I feel like I'm you know 60, 60 right now. Something. Yeah. No, just chill, man. My, my my grandfather he died when he was 89, but when he was 88, he bought a new computer because the previous one was not fast enough. So he he liked to get the latest and greatest, and he got a computer every couple of years, and he was he was planning ahead. Wow. You know the guy the guy bought a. A membership for his uh, country club for for the next ten years. <laughs> wow! And he could only get one, but you know, he was in it for the long haul. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. 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 So six years, dude. Whatever. That's really cool. So, what's coming up these days? Do you have anything fun happening with O Five? Um, any events or or anything like that you want to shout out? Twenty uh, fifth, uh, we have a uh, April. April twenty fifth, correct? Yeah, we're 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 doing. Celebration on on matcha and uh, and sakura, all these beautiful flowers that we have around. Awesome, yeah, the cherry blossom festival. We kind have of stuff. some insane batches um, coming in from uh, from uh, Yoshida San, who's been in in business for, or his family has been in business for three hundred years, so they are not a startup. <laughs> and uh, and Suji San, who who is the guy who provides matcha for the prime minister of of japan so so some just what crazy insane uh batches of of matcha is it for all of the recent prime ministers because there's been like what no four in th- in three years or something yeah <laughs> well abe san has been there for a while so so he's yeah, the yeah. guy who makes the matcha for for shin so abe yeah okay so so we're gonna do some of that and some of yoshida's uh 300 year old company matcha uh, so, wow. so that's it uh we will be working through our sister uh, brand, Simple Energy, with uh, with Blue Matcha, which you will probably see in, in more touch points across um, well, Vancouver and, and North America. We're, we're in Kentucky and Arizona and Los Angeles and Montreal. Is that right? So there's going to be a bunch of Blue Matcha popping up here and there. That's really cool. Exactly. It'll be fun. Wow. Um, lots of cool stories, man. I wish I could dive a bit more into your trips to Asia and especially Japan. I'm dying to go to Japan. You I, should. I still haven't gone. It's uh you don't really take vacations when you have a startup. <laughs> it's hard to to build that in. It, for you it's different because you have to source your stuff there. So you have like a business reason to go. Exactly. For me it would be like purely to go explore and and just see a, a whole different side of the world. You know, what one thing I would I would probably say um on on the startup thing again, some of the best business ideas are when you're offsite. Yeah. At least in my case. And and it doesn't have to be anything exotic it can be just camping in pemberton and and when you're up there and then drinking some glacier water then suddenly you 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 get a a pretty decent idea 
So, so in my case, I think I think it's productive in the business sense to actually take a vacation. Cool. We'll uh, we'll wrap this up now. We're pretty much at the limit. So. Um, All right, man. Pleasure being here. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed the uh, our new chocolate dream with a bit of rum in there. A it bit, works. A little bit of a happy hour drink. Exactly. Um, and uh, I'm sure we'll do a follow up next year and see how things are going. Yeah, done, man. Awesome. Thanks. Muchas gracias. De nada. Ciao. Food and beverage has always been Pedro's destiny, but even he wouldn't have known that when he was having shaving cream battles with his colleagues at Procter & Gamble. 20 years later, and after having numerous tea hunting trips, he now has an established tea bar and a growing wholesale business in what is a diversifying and maturing tea market. His passion for origin is what sets him apart from the rest, and you can see that when speaking with him and when visiting O5 Tea Bar. Let us know what you think of this episode in the reviews, and subscribe to hear more unique stories like this one. Finally, we'll leave you with the wise words of today's episode. When you're done with everything and you're 90 years old or 100 years old, you would go back and say, yeah, that, that was fun. So, so uh, that's one of the things that I, that I learned. You, know, you don't have that much time on, on this earth. Might as well use it for, for something that's fun.